Hello, welcome back to the Masterclass, the number one tactical podcast in association with Sports Social. Uh, I'm Haydar Abani, joined by my co-host as ever, Rob Blanchette. This is a performance really that showed, I don't think, Rob, anything that we didn't know. Manchester United obviously drawn away at West Bromwich Albion. What we saw today was a performance that we've seen a few times from this team to have this in their locker. Lindelof had a poor performance today. No tempo, no intensity, didn't create enough. You always know that when you play against a big Sam team that you're going to face long balls. As Gary Neville said, you have to really do the basics well. We're talking about fighting for the second balls, showing aggression, intensity, things we've spoken about in previous podcasts. Today was a physical test, Rob, and Manchester United did not pass it. Welcome back. What are your thoughts on today? This feels like, I don't know, former podcasts that we've done with the masterclass kind of now coming home to reap, to sow. This Manchester United team, this is why I didn't get at all highest when they were going up the table and we're near the top. It's great to be at the top, isn't it? After like, what, 12 games? But who cares? It's about what you do in this part of the season and from now until the end. This is the business end. And what you're seeing with this Manchester United team is they're not good enough. It's kind of as simple as that. You know, you win the title at West Bromwich Albion. You don't win it at Anfield. You win it at teams like West Brom. You have to go there and punish them and put them away. This West Brom team is garbage. It's junk. Big Sam is having a nightmare at West Brom because he's got a set of players that can't do the job. And yet today, Manchester United gave them a point. And that's how I feel about it. I think, you know, we'll obviously break it all down, as we always do. We'll keep it kind of calm and as level as we can. Um, the first goal is just a complete disaster from Lindelof. Uh, um, I, you know, we'll talk about the ins and outs of how that goal came about and why it was given. Lots of people saying it was a foul. I personally don't believe it is a foul. And I just think you can't hold, the whole shape of the game was just lopsided with United. Some players looking like they want it, other players looking tired and jaded or maybe not being able to get themselves up for the match. You've got to also remember it's minus six today there. It's really cold. And on really cold days, some players just can't perform. It's a, it's a true fact. But you need at least eight or nine or ten to take you on, don't you? That's what we say every week is that you need players to, to play as a, as a unit. And United didn't today. It was all very fractured. Um, United probably deserved only a point, even though they had all of the ball and maybe, you know, the best opportunities. I still think West Brom had enough to maybe even get a second and win it. And that is the most horrendous part of this performance is that they could have lost this game. Absolutely, Rob. You look at the ticker across the bottom, you see some of the, the key stats. We only had 10 shots to West Brom seven. I mean, that says, oh, we didn't create enough at all. I mean, I, let's start with the formation and we'll go on to the centre-backs, obviously. What we saw today, a 4-2-3-1, Ollie's preferred formation, McFred in midfield. We saw Ra Martial on the left, Rashford on the right. We'll talk about that because we definitely need to break that down. And we saw Cavani up top. Guys, also, I want to hear all your thoughts, whether you're upset, whether you thought it was on the players. I want to hear everything. Um, but, Rob, looking at it, worst possible start today. Just within 90 seconds, Lindelof physically outmuscled uh, by D'Angelo. And it was just United's backline falling asleep, not shifting out, staying too deep. And then just Lindelof getting bullied. 
there was too much space as well on the left. I mean, Gary Neville said something really, really brilliant, um, which was spot on. He was talking about United centre-backs compared to Cities and Liverpools. And he said that the difference between United centre-backs and those two teams just mentioned is that theirs are more alert, they're more aggressive, and they impose themselves when they're playing against uh, strikers. And this is not the first time we've seen this. I said last week, I said that I'm not too sure, and I know you also mentioned it about the partnership, I'm not convinced about the goalkeeper centre back sort of, you know, foundation that we're looking to build build upon. If we want to get to where we want to be and we want to prove as a side, can we carry on relying on this? I don't think that United are trying to build on this on on the on what we're seeing, and this is what fans have to sometimes let go of because we're emotional in the moment. We've seen bad performances from this defence before. We know that the record in terms of, say, we compare ourselves to Manchester City defensively, that it's not good enough. You know, I think we've we've kind of, we've conceded as many goals as many teams in kind of bottom six of, of the division. So that tells its own story. But I think we have to kind of let go of the future, first of all, because I think Manchester United will go and buy a centre-back at some point. And we will also talk about Upa Meccano and obviously going to buy Munich. There is an impact on Manchester United with that transfer. But I, I also going to think you just have to call it as what we're seeing. And what we saw today in that first goal is that Lindelof is weak. He's weak physically and he is weak mentally. Now, in that moment when he allows that to happen, and people saying he got a hand in the face, I don't care that he got a hand in the face. I'm not interested in that. Go and bully that defender. The first instance, when that ball goes wide, what does the defender know is going to happen? The defender knows that ball's coming in the box. So you have to get your positioning right. So he didn't quite do that, first of all. But then you've got to attack the ball. And if he attacks the ball, that goal can't happen. doesn't matter how good the, set, the centre forward is or how good his movement is. He cannot meet that ball. And when you actually look at the replay, he's kind of stooping in front of Lindelof to kind of get his hand. Now, right, yeah, he's got his hand up. It's kind of, it's in Lindelof's face. But Lindelof is not a child. He's not a child. He's a six foot tall man. You know, he should be able to do better in that scenario. The truth is, and I don't like using words like coward and things like that, because I think those those are kind of regressive terms. But in that moment, you've got to be brave. In that moment, you've got to just put your body on the line and say, yep, this bigger forward's going to go for the ball and I'm going to go for the ball and I'm going to do everything. It doesn't matter if it's the first minute or the last. That is the job. We see it with Lindelof all the time. He's easy pickings. He gets done in the channel. He's too slow. He makes bad decisions. He doesn't help Maguire in those scenarios. You see with Maguire with his positioning, they both then kind of play off each other and end up getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then what happens? That affects De Gea. Then De Gea doesn't know whether to stick or twist. He doesn't know whether to go and help his centre-backs. Should I be going for the ball in the air? See, if De Gea knows these things in that moment, De Gea comes aggressively out for that ball. Or if you've got Henderson there, Henderson goes, my defenders are going to drop deep. I'm just going to, I'm coming for that ball. But they don't ever know because they don't do it consistently. Sometimes they do it right and they hold the line, which is what they should have done there. And other times they get too deep. And that is all about being brave. And Ole said about this at the start of the game, hold your line, hold your nerve and do your job. And in that first minute, they didn't do it. And it even happened in the second half. There were two or three times where they didn't hold their nerve. Maguire got done once with the with the centre forward on his back. And all he needs to do is kind of shepherd the ball to the left. And he falls over and asks for a free kick. And De Gea saves him with, uh, with two really good stops. But it shouldn't come to that, Haydar. It shouldn't come to these things. 
And it's the things we've seen all season. These are not new things. Even when we're winning, we're still seeing these things. So I think ultimately what it means is that new players will be brought in. United do need one or two extras. We know this. And they need to be in the key positions. They can't all be dream scenarios. They can't be dream signings like Sancho or someone who's 80, 90, 100 million. I know fans get turned on by that. You've just got to bring in the right player who does the job. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just um, looking at the sort of issues we see, Rob, they're repetitive. You know, this is not the first time Lindelof's been bullied. We know this about Lindelof and it's happening again. I mean, there's a couple of questions asking why was Bailly not playing as well? I mean, do you think he was more, you know... Yeah, Bailly's not being his... fit. Bailly's not being yeah. fit. So again, right, this is not football manager. I say every week. You're not going to bring in players who are not ready. So you put them on the bench. You might need him if someone pulls a muscle and you need him for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Then your guy is ready to do 20 minutes worth of work. But he's not ready. So again, let's put that aside because it's very easy to say what could United have changed. And I don't think today, starting-wise, there was nothing really wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with the selection. What's wrong is the execution. And it's the things that we see all the time. So I knew from the start of the game, Lindelof is in. Lindelof is your only option today because that's where United are in their development. And it means that he'll probably get bullied. And I said at the start of the game, I was worried because this is the kind of game where the ball's in the air and De Gea is not high on confidence. And actually, he saved United today. He got United a point there in that moment, made, made two or three really important saves. But you shouldn't be in that scenario anyway. It's up to you to deal with it. Put, like Harry Maguire, right? I, I, I want to talk about Maguire as well, right, in conjunction with this. Because Maguire, for the last few games and today, has been driving the ball beautifully. Yeah, Stepping so into well. the yeah. Stepping into the pocket like a quarterback does when the space in front in American football, you step into the pocket, you close down that space, and then you get the offense up another five or ten feet. That's how you do it. Now, he was doing that today, but still, he nearly made the catastrophic mistake at the end of the game, yeah, because he's just dilly-dallying. It's ridiculous. I didn't feel sorry for him. He heads that ball. It gets saved, doesn't it? It hits the post in the 95th minute. So what? Go and win the game in the 85th minute, in the 75th minute, in the 65th minute. Don't leave it so late because this is what happens. And I was thinking this all through the game. I thought this could be where you drop points again because you're, you've not managed the scenario as well as you should. Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to bring up Maguire. I mean, we, we saw the brilliance of Maguire, like you said, driving forward, mm -hmm. trying to make things happen. I would argue in the first half, Rob, he was probably our best attacking threat. I mean, you know, the way... Especially for the goal, what you saw is you saw Maguire progressing the ball forward, short, getting into a good area with a very, very good cross, considering he's it just about to go into touch. And then Bruno with an emphatic finish. I mean, this is the issue because you see this Manchester United side do some absolutely brilliant moments. But the rest of the game, Rob, no big chances created. West Brom had two. This is a side sitting down at the bottom. We just... <laughs> I'm actually going to agree with your aggressive term because I did say a couple of weeks ago intensity was an issue, but the aggression wasn't there. It is a problem that we've managed United since forever. Yeah, it's not a new thing. It's not an Ole thing. It's something that goes back with two, three, four years, all the way back to Van Gaal even, with a lot, of, with not a lot of these players, but these players are still there. There's still some players there that need to be more aggressive. So again, I don't think it really helps to kind of pick on individuals today, but there are, there are bits that have to be highlighted. So when I look at the starting lineup, and we can assess it. 4-2-3-1 is normal. They play it all the time. There's no issues with that. Anthony Martial cannot start games on the left. I can't say it anymore. 
It doesn't work. It's never worked. It hasn't worked for ages. What happens is that fans who either like him or dislike him judge him on the moments. So say today he gets the ball in the channel, Hadar. He comes in on his right, puts it in the top corner. We're sat here today doing a show talking about Anthony Martial's amazing goal. But it's the other 89 minutes of work that matters, that counts. So I'm also going to add to the mix there, Marcus Rashford. So Marcus plays on the right today. And you could see that he's got this kind of staccato style that he's developing. You know, he kind of, it looks like he's he's playing hesitation. Another basketball analogy about uh, around the rim where you will stop, put your foot down. Why does make... he put his foot through it, Rob? That's the frustration. Because because he's an idiot. I'm going to put, put it out there. I love Marcus. But in that moment, it's idiotic. Put the ball, like you're just saying there, put your foot through it. Yeah, it's open for you. Get a shot off. You've got a beautiful strike on you. You can ping a ball, but he's trying to be too clever. And football is a simple sport at its essence. And then you get the kind of moments of magic around it. So even like today, another player I'm going to add to this because it's important is Bruno Fernandes. Bruno scored an absolute worldie today. What a goal that was to bring us back into the game. But you know what? Bruno was garbage. Garbage, garbage, garbage. Five-yard balls, 10-yard balls, decision-making, wrong types of press, not using the channel, not helping players around him. Rubbish, garbage. Now, it might well be that he's just tired. There's a lot of players out there now where it's going to start to impact on performances. And I think we saw that with United today. You know, they're playing a West Brom team that's going to be physical. It's raining. It's minus six out there. It's really, really tough conditions that through a television doesn't translate. Yeah, if you go to games, you know, pre-COVID, then obviously you you feel it, you know what it's like, even as a fan stood there going, I really don't want to be here today. And some players do think like this, unfortunately. And that's how it felt with United. You think that first half, they couldn't really get ticking, they couldn't make it work. Then they had a bit of possession, then they took the game over, then they get back in. And you think to yourself, right, well, hang on, in normal times, you go on and win this game, don't you? You put a bit more pressure on and you create chances. You just said there, was it uh, on the ticker below, we had 10 shots? We yeah, normally shots. we normally average about kind of 15 to 20 shots a yeah. game, normally, yeah? And that, that's our, our kind of base level. But I think that shows that maybe without Pogba, you can't stretch the game. Pogba allows you to stretch the game either yeah. from the pivot or from the or no one the in attack. midfield, Rob, to progress the ball. That was but, a big but, issue. No, but it's not. It's not as simple as that. It's not as simple as that. And that's what this was going to be my bolt on to, to my point about Pogba because this is not about the pivot, right? This is not about Fred. It's not about McTominay. They're in there doing their jobs, Haydar. They do it. Yeah, you're not. You don't have to progress the ball from the pivot. You have to progress the ball from those players who are, who are in and around the box. You know, Bruno Fernandes has to progress the ball. Well, he has this to is make where the I right disagree man. with you, probably. You've got to get the ball to Bruno Fernandes in the right areas. Um, Fred yeah, do you think do that, that Bruno today? didn't get the ball in the right areas today? I saw Bruno with the ball in the right areas pretty much the whole game. United played against a low block up the pitch. So your double pivot is not really as important in those moments. Yes, you'd love a, a, a beautiful... 30-yard pass to, to feet from someone in the pivot. But that's not how you win the game. You win the game around the box and making decisions. We just talked about three players there, didn't we, in, a, in about a two-minute spell. Marcus, Anthony, and uh, Bruno. It's their responsibility. When they've got the ball, they were rubbish. They were poor. They didn't make good decisions. So this is why it's really easy to kind of look for the for the guys who, who, who get all the flack at United, the McTominays. You know, McTominay played hard today in a horrible set of conditions. Fred played hard today. Donny van der Beek comes on for 10 minutes, and I'm thinking... 
Donny, go and show what you can do for 10 minutes. I didn't even see him. Was he there? You know, so these players must take responsibility. Hey, this is the way I look at it because it's a, it's a, always a balancing act at the end of the day, but everyone has roles in the team. And if you're doing your role first and foremost, then we can't expect the additional bits. And so, so like when I look at the double pivot, that's their function. You know, when I look at Lindelof doing that, that's his function. Go and defend the ball. I don't want you to do anything else but defend the ball in that moment. If he does that, United probably win this game. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree in the most part, Rob. But I will where I will disagree. I agree with the the attacking players. None of them turned up today. It's their it's their responsibility. They're not doing their roles to be creative. I mean, especially the two wide men were poor today. I thought Cavani was poor today, Rob. Not poor. wanting, not yeah. not not being able to play quick one touch football. He uh, charging around, not getting into good enough positions in the box, which is uncharacteristic for him. I mean, albeit the supply wasn't there, so you have to also bring that into consideration. The wide men we spoke about, Bruno, but I still think. I'm not saying McFred were the problem today. They weren't because of so many other issues, but they're not creative enough for me. I know you, your view of the, the double pivot, you know, do the basics, but you still got to have someone there that can break the lines and that can offer a bit more creativity from deep. And I don't think we had that today. I think United's deficiencies, especially over the past couple of weeks, I mean, we've now won one in five, I believe in the league, which is completely knocked us. We're, we're back with the, the chasing pack. We've said this, Rob, that we aren't going to win the title. We knew that. But the point is now you've got other teams who are just, who can overtake us. We need to get out of this slump. But do, my, do, my do, problem today is sorry. efficiencies are really, were really shown today. We, our centre-back problems, I don't think De Gea was a problem today. Like you said, he saved us. The, McFred worked very, very hard. The, we needed their physicality. But again, not enough creativity for me in that deep position. Paul Pogba was missing. We knew that. We're seeing what life is going to be like without Paul Pogba, and that's a worry. Bruno Fernandes, poor today, minus the goal. The two wide men, poor. Martial, poor. I don't think he should have started. It should have been Mason on the right, Marcus on the left. I'm not liking Marcus on the right. I think he's... Mm. I don't think he's comfortable there. Cavani up top, we expected that. It wasn't so much of a problem. But all these things, we're seeing the deficiencies. We're quite a long way away I know you don't want to talk about the future, but we are in reality. We're a top four side. Yeah, I don't like to talk about things that are either hypothetical in general when you're describing an actual game and what you see and why things worked and didn't work because we can all do that. Like the best thing that everyone does on Twitter, isn't it, is I wouldn't have picked that team. It's a classic one. So you, you don't win a game, I wouldn't have picked that team. Well, that team got picked. So what did we see? What happened? I, I Just to kind of address what you were just saying there about the pivot and just to, to kind of put my two bits into that is that when Manchester City play well, does Rodri win them the game from defensive midfield? No, he doesn't. Right. So does Liverpool, did they win the title because Henderson wins them the game from defensive midfield? No, but we're... No, they win it from the players, Haydar. They get paid to go and win you the games. You know, they're the guys that go and do it. So you've got to go and do your function. Henderson does his job at Liverpool. He's not spectacular, but he allows the players in front of him to go and do the magic. That's how it works. This year... That's not worked because Henderson's not been in the midfield. Rodri's been injured at City at the start. They struggled. Rodri's now back. They'll be able to do those things in in um, uh, in and around. You can't rely. You can't kind of leave the whole aspect of creativity on players that are not creative. You know, you don't always need a magician playing as a number six. It doesn't work like that. How many teams play like that? Not many. There really isn't. You know, that's, a again, I think a fan projection about how they wish the game to be rather than what the game really is. So, yes, I'd like a better defensive midfielder in there. Yes, you could, but you haven't got that today. So what happens? If your defensive midfield collapses today and you lose the game because of it, totally different. 
because that's the function. The function's collapsed. Lindelof, his function is to defend. It collapsed. That conceded a goal. The, today, the attack didn't tick. That's there. That's on them. That's really on them. United had like, how much percent did we have? I'm just looking at the percentage here now. We so had, we like, had, I think it was what 76. Right, we had 76 percent, pretty much in their final third. Yeah, so that is nothing to do with Fred and McTominay. It's nothing to do with Shaw and Wambasaka. They were kind of trying to get up and down. It's about your creative players. Bruno has to do more in these scenarios. And unfortunately for us, he's the guy who makes it tick. You know, if he's not ticking, United don't tick. Massive problem with that, Rob. If Rash, it is a, it's, a, it's a massive problem in a um, futuristic sense because if you don't fix it and you don't go anywhere. Yeah, that's it is, you know, it's a it's a massive problem today because you don't win the game. So fans feel it, it hurts, and everyone's got kind of spiky opinions about it. It's more important, Haydar, that, that people just do their jobs. Do your job in a game, and you don't have to do any more than that. So Anthony Martial got pulled today. Again, Ole's trying to help him by playing him, giving him minutes, giving him time. It doesn't work. See, you have to put him on his backside. You have to say, don't play. Or what you do is you make a braver decision, which is what you won't like. I know this, but you put Cavani on the bench because Cavani can't play multiple games in a row. He's old. He's getting older. And you play your number nine as your number nine. And then what you do is you change it later. You say, Tony, it's not worked. Now I'm going to give Cavani 25, 30 minutes to go and win me the game. That is tactically a better ploy. And that's something I think with Ole that he kind of juggles with because he wants to give players minutes. He wants to play Cavani as the number nine, but it's not the answer, is it? It's not the long-term answer. It only works if you actually win the game. And in retrospect, it probably wasn't a great decision. Rob, we've got um, quite a few comments here. Uh, Ura's got one here saying, Ole must play Van der Beek. Now, something... I do want How? to pick up on. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let He's me just, drunk. let me just, hold on. Let me just, let me just, let me just um, talk about this point that I've do noticed it. with this United team. Yeah. Is that too many players want ball to feet. Not enough want to run into, create space instead of, you know, finding room. They all want ball to feet. Martial wants ball to feet. Marcus has got better at making off, um, off the ball runs, but ball to feet. Cavani makes off, off, you know, off the shoulder runs, but didn't do it enough today. Would Van der Beek have been someone, uh, playing devil's advocate, would he have been someone who could have benefited United today? He had been someone who would be looking to pick up pockets, looking to make runs in behind. It's difficult when they're sitting so deep. But it's a very fair point, isn't it, Rob, that you look at this side, there isn't enough players that can or who are willing to make those off-the-ball runs. Yeah, but there's nowhere to run today. There's no channels. It's closed down. It's low block. So this is, again, we have to be careful about not slipping into cliche because we want players to make runs, but there's, there's nowhere to run. You know, the tw two times that United got behind West Brom's defence and the ball got whipped in behind, the defenders, the, the attackers were all stationary. Yeah, so when United did get in behind and did have the runner, it didn't work. And that's because that's not the shape of the game. The shape of the game wasn't that. West Brom are going to let you have the ball 20 yards in front of their box and they're going to sit and that means, Hader, unfortunately, you have to play ball to feet. So you play ball to feet. That suits you. That's the kind of game that Bruno wants to play. That's how the, the more kind of ball passing players you could say want to do. They want, they want ball to feet. And you have runners in games where the game is stretched. Would you say this game was stretched enough to have runners today? I wouldn't. I don't think there was, no, there was nowhere to run. So what you have to do, Hader, is be good but with the ball at your feet. Five-yard passes, play one-twos, get which, into the box. Which our double score. pivot is not, Rob. 
Yeah, but your double pivot doesn't do that, mate. They don't the do same, that. The they double, so it's, it's about it's, so, it's about Bruno. Um, if, if you're playing one twos, I'm talking about in and around the box. So if you're one of your pivot releases and goes like McTominay was in the second half, then absolutely you're right. You 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 have a player there yeah, that, that's that, will, that will pick the ball up in the channel. Yeah, but it's not it's not the it's not the point, is it? The point can't be that because that's not why you drew the game. You drew the game because of all the other bits. That's the problem. So it's easy to say things about runners and creativity and all of that, but only you have to apply it to real-world science. And the real-world science here and the basics are, is that, say, the three or four players that you want to win the game for you, Cavani's one of them, I think, in this, is that they didn't do enough. They weren't good enough with the ball at their feet. They weren't creative enough. They weren't smart enough. They played regressively at times. They played slow. They were cumbersome. We're, we're talking about Harry Maguire. You used the word brilliant. I don't think Maguire was brilliant today. He's doing his job. He's Going got forward. seven He's got 70 yards of space in front of him. Run with the ball, Harry. So he was. So that's great. But it's not brilliant. That, to me, is just the job. Go and do the job today and do that, and you might help your team. But we shouldn't be relying on Harry Maguire to be our driving force in attack, should we? That's crazy. So you've got to look at all these things and balance them. For me, Bruno Fernandes was shocking today. You know, It doesn't matter what his stats were or what he scored his goal. His goal was really, really good. He pulled us back into the game. Everything else he did was poor. Marcus was poor. Anthony Martial might as well have been at home. He did nothing. So even when you look at Mason today, Mason played all 120 minutes of that last game. So you're not going to just chuck him in. You're only going to get him in off the bench. And I thought he did okay. He had one really good chance that... Um, that Johnson saves. And when you look at Van der Beek as the additional part of this, could Van der Beek have changed this game? No, because he doesn't move enough. He doesn't, he doesn't travel. We talk about pockets. What pocket? He's just in the pocket of the defender. So those 10 minutes, I thought, yeah, we might see some energy from uh from Donny and he might might be a game changer. Just to play that one-two around the box. He did nothing. Simple as that. Uh, in response to Adspiracy, Maguire was awful. I was talking about an attack. He was the driving force in attack. He was United's best driving force going he forward. He shouldn't be, though, that, should he? No, yeah, exactly. He shouldn't be, but he was. That was That's a fact. So that's an indictment on the forward players, isn't it? But, yeah, um, totally. See, forward, it's a forward sport. I think Harry yeah. was thinking, I'm going to drive the ball because no one else is. No one so, else is, exactly. So, so he's driving the ball as the captain. He's trying to take responsibility. Even in that last moment, in the 95th minute, he gets that header. He is trying to take responsibility for his team. He's going, I wear the armband. I'm the one who's going to go and win this game for us. But he shouldn't be that player. You know, he shouldn't be that guy. It should be your forwards going, do you know what? We've not played well today. We're going to put our necks on the line to try and win this game. It didn't feel like that, Haydar. Second half, it got all a bit lax again. It's bad conditions. You just need to do enough to win. But United probably didn't do enough to win. Ten, ten shots on goal tells you that the forwards were not at the races today. And that is the key stat out of everything. Yeah, and I I don't agree. Lokesh has got a comment here saying if we took our chances in this game, there weren't any chances. We didn't create anything. No, yeah, we had no, it's no big chances created. I don't think that Rob on today's performance, I can't I don't think you can turn around and say, Oh, we missed any chances. Because no. I don't think I think that was a fair result. To be honest with you, they looked more dangerous than us, West Brom. Well they could have won it. They could have won it. it all, really, to be honest. I mean, Rob, I wanna address this question here from Gerard. Guys, get your questions in. We'll try and answer as many as possible. Thanks for all your comments. It's a really good engagement. Gerard's saying here, and we've had a few others as well, Jeffrey's asking the same question. Is there a mentality problem with our slow starts or coaching? I, I don't want to make excuses. I'm not. But as you said earlier at the beginning, Rob, the team's tired. 
everyone's tired, yeah. by the way. It's not just Manchester United. We played twice a week. I mean, myself and Rob have been doing masterclasses twice a week since what November, Rob? I'm no. not tired. I'm Bring not. I'm not saying. I'm not tired. But I mean, what I say is the amount of you know the amount of games we. No, I'm talking about in, in relation to United. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Sometimes I am when I'm watching games like this. Um, but I don't think it's to do with. I think mentality is part of it, but I do genuinely think that they're knackered, and unfortunately, when you're more tired, mistakes happen. But also, I think a massive problem, Rob, is that this happens too much. It's not like it's a one-off game. I do think these are repetitive errors and I'm not going to put this down to coaching because I don't think there was anything wrong with, these are individual errors uh, and I, you have to put it down on the players, unfortunately for me. Yeah. Look, I, whenever I see coaching issues, I always highlight them because I think you've got to, I think that's part of the kind of run. And certainly with my job is that that is part of it is to say what you see and to, and to say, is it the coach or is it the players? There is a, Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's neither, but you can kind of at least, dance around those things if you've got the information at your fingertips uh, today's not about coaching it's 4231 everyone knows their jobs yeah so this is what i also try and lean away from is the kind of marcus on the right thing marcus rashford can play on the right yeah he might not be as good as he is on the left but he can do it and what you're seeing there with him and as i said about that hesitation step that he started to develop is that it doesn't work. Like you said, put your foot through the ball. So that's what you have to do sometimes. Get the shot off and at least test the goalkeeper. So United didn't do this today. So when you look at Anthony on the left-hand side, you know that Anthony's got one trick. I'm bringing it in on my right and I'm curling it in the far side. So he doesn't do the other stuff. These are the issues, the repetitive side of what's going on with United. And you look at this kind of game, it was a game where you just needed to score one more goal. That's what it was. That should have been the mentality. Get another goal, make it 2-1 and finish the game. Play boring football, put it on the deck. You're not here to entertain United fans or the watching world. You're here to win. So go and win the game, make it ugly. West Brom are proper ugly. So you're going to go and get three points against them in a difficult scenario. They didn't do that. You know, one of the comments there was about desire. Desire is a difficult one because you can never kind of measure it. Because whatever you see, if you don't like it, you're always going to say there's no desire. I don't believe that these players don't desire it. What I do think is this, is that when you get tired, you've got to find an extra gear. If you want to go and win the title, yeah, and this is what Fergie's teams were good at, there were plenty of times when they were knackered because they'd played 50 games in a row and they're going for every competition. You just It's not about desiring those moments. It's about making about the key choices and doing enough to win games. The treble season that United won, they were knackered the whole season, absolutely knackered. And it wasn't that they were loads better than Arsenal because that Arsenal team was just as good as United on their day. It was just because United took it to the extreme. Would we say that United's forwards took it to the extreme today, that front four? I don't think they did. Yeah, no, it's, it's very, very fair. I mean... There's a question aggression, here. Aggression. Be aggressive. Yeah. Go well, out there. Question, even if Rob. you have to, even if you have to fake it, go out there and be aggressive and show your opponent that you're going to give them a game. And then we just didn't do that. No, we didn't at all. Jonathan here. I wonder if this is a genuine weakness in, I'm guessing that's Ollie. Uh, there are simply players. He will not rotate and seems to consistently play them into exhaustion. I think there's a, there, there is a bit of a narrative, Rob, that is appearing. And I think at times you can possibly say, that it's fair, in part, that he does have his favourites. We, we've said many times, Rob, he plays Marcus until, well, he broke his back last year. He seems to pick Lindelof more often than not. There are a few players that he doesn't seem to rotate. 
it's a squad game. There are players who haven't had as many minutes. I mean, I think quite clearly today for me, the most obvious thing was was the intensity, and I think there was tiredness. I don't think it's a desire thing, as as you also mentioned. But um, is that a fair is that a fair thing to let, maybe level at Oli that you know he does have his favourites and perhaps rotation is something that he does need to work on. Yeah, again, I'm not going to lean on that word favourites because managers don't think like that. They pick teams to win. They're not going, oh, do you know what? I like Marcus a little bit more, so I'll give him games. He truly believes that he hasn't got a better option than that. That's why he picks Marcus. And let's be honest, that's probably the truth. You know, we might not like it. Like I saw someone there saying about matter. Do we think matter today helps the tempo of this game? Probably not. So you know, it's all very good about having alternatives, but the alternatives have got to be viable. So I don't think that, uh, that Ole has favourites per se. I think that he, he might look to players to give him uh, better controlling games. If I'm, Am I playing Bruno today or am I going, do you know what? Bruno's tired. So I'll play Van der Beek. Van der Beek, who's not running around, not doing the stuff I want him to do and not, and not bringing it. So that's difficult because how do you rotate? When you look at Ole's selections, he's rotated a ton this season, an absolute ton, both from the bench and both from his starting lineups. And he has done that. You look at like Tellez, who we say hasn't played many games this year. I think he's played about 20 games. So, you know, overall. So they've all had minutes. I think Van der Beek's 25 games this season or something like that or onwards. It's not that they haven't had chances to impress their manager. It's just that they probably haven't done it for him. And that's not about favouritism. We must be careful about the terminology we use with football. As Jonathan, Jonathan says here, it's more likely to do that each more likely they trust players 100 percent right word i mean let, rob let's go into that matter thing a bit more because i i have been wondering um you know the reports coming out that he hasn't trained for four weeks it looks like he is going to be on his way out but have you heard anything regarding juan matter i mean you know is there a reason why he's not being selected for match day squads because i still think he could offer something you know he's got got a good brain personally i mean you know i'd be if we had to bring someone on to unlock a defense juan matter would be my my choice of player uh, no, Paul Pogba as well. So, you know, you do need someone with a bit of a guard who can pick the lock. And uh, Juan Mata is that player, whether, you know, we do know that his legs probably have gone a little bit, but he still has something to offer. Is there any reason why he's not been making the match day squad? No, there's no reason. And and the whole point of it is, is this, that he is an ageing player and he's a player who's probably going to be on his way out of the football club. So if you're trying to create your, your squad system that you'll take from this year into next, and you believe that certain other players, maybe younger talent or players who are on your fringes deserve more time and they're going to sit on your bench and matter isn't that player for the future, what do you do? You leave him out. That's what you do. So I don't think like I don't look at this game and go, oh, "Where matter would have changed this for us?" He wouldn't have done. He just absolutely would not have done. There's no way about it. It's about the players who are out there just finding that moment. Bruno found one moment today. He scored. That's why we love him. That's why he's been lauded because he has got that talent to be able to make a one moment decision to get you back into a match or to win you a game. But I don't look at this and say, oh, do you know what? Why matters the option here? I think you could argue that you could have played Mason on the right. You could have played Marcus on the left. You could have left Tony out. You could have played Tony as the nine. Like I said, you could have dropped Cavani to the bench. That would have absolutely boiled the blood of everyone on Twitter. But you have to then have to be brave to make those decisions. And I think the easiest decision at the moment, you might not, you might disagree with me, but the easiest moment, if I'm a manager of Manchester United, is the selection of the double pivot. I pick those two players because they're going to do the job for me every week. I don't care if they're 
sexy or not, they are going to work and work and work and grind. Them, no so you pick them. So for me, they are the starters. I look at the team and I and I could play around with the front four and I could play around with who's the striker and I could look at channel runs and I can look at second wave possessions and my press and my second wave press and all of that stuff that goes with it. But the player, I, the player I'd start at the moment, number one, for me, is Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw at the moment is still the best player in the team. Number two and three is those two guys in the double pivot. Everyone else, and Bruno maybe you would say is a starter, everyone else has got to earn it week to week to week to week in training and whatnot. And I think the problem is with Donny van der Beek, uh, just going touching back on that again, is that he has not shown enough for me. You know, And I don't watch him train. I'm not there. I haven't, I'm not privy to that access. But United believe in him, but the moments I've seen him play in those 20, 25 minutes, coming off the bench primarily, of course, he's done nowhere near enough. 10 minutes today, he had a chance even just to get one good chance off Haydar as a second man runner. And he did it once. He kind of got to the box and gave it up. It didn't work for him. And you think, oh, it's soft. It's poor. It's just, we need more well, for him. We have him. someone who disagrees about Luke Shaw. Uh, his name's weird stuff. No offense, I believe you're wrong, completely wrong on Luke Shaw. Do you want to counter that? Um, I'll just say that everyone is allowed to agree to disagree. I think Luke Shaw on form is the best left back in the Premier League. I think that's been reiterated by certainly more pe people than me. Uh, everyone can have their own opinion on it. I think today Luke Shaw was aggressive. He was driving the ball still. And it was that time in the first half where he was the only player in the team with Maguire driving the ball. Yeah, he was the only one. He was the only one going, I'm going to go on the outside and I'm going to go on the inside. Now, he's a, he's a he's a fullback. Yeah, that's his job. He has to do both and defend. And there was nothing about his game today that I thought, oh, actually, that, that looked off today. I think he's slowly but surely improved. He isn't the problem in this team, no doubt about uh, it. Not, not at all. Absolutely not. I mean, Rob, we've got a question here from um, Elusif saying, why not Van der Beek and McSauce in the double pivot i mean let's actually it. i mean look we we didn't do a masterclass after the west ham game van der Beek played van der Beek did not take his opportunity you saw a lot of um comments about van der Beek saying oh well if he had a wide creator he would be better and all this all this sort of things but at the end of the day rob as it stands van der Beek doesn't get into his team van der Beek can't play deep in this team because one he doesn't hold his position enough and two he's not a progressive passer of the ball said this many many times he's not a Paul Pogba replacement he's not someone that's going to pick a pass we've said this many many times and also I think why he's struggling when he comes in at number 10 is that Bruno Fernandes makes things happen right he's on the ball he's creative he drives forward with it he the, the whole system is built around him being the creative force Van der Beek isn't someone who like we said is creative on the ball he likes to peel peel wide he likes to make these runs when you take Bruno out of the side, you bring Van der Beek in. They're not like for like. So the whole the whole system essentially, it, it, I guess it kind of stalls when Van der Beek's playing. What were your thoughts on Van der Beek the other night? Um, just quickly to touch on it and uh, explain why he isn't going to be starting and why right now, you know, he's, he's not going to play deep. I thought he was garbage in the FA Cup. And I mean, I mean that politely, you know, again, in those scenarios, go and take your chance. You know, the, the team is shaped around you. Like you just said there, Bruno and um, Donny are not, are not like flight replacements in terms of their stylistic qualities or, or what they can do on a football pitch. However, 
the roles are. If you're going to play that role, you better play it as well as the other guy in the team. Yeah, you better show that even if you're not as good as him, and I don't think Donny van der Beek is as good as Bruno Fernandes, of course not, but you've got to go and show that you've got some value. And what you're seeing in these games with Donny is that when he either plays as a front from the start or comes from the bench, he is a passenger. You know, now I don't think that he is like thinking, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to play well today or anything like that. I don't think it's about passion or determination or any of those things. I just think that English football is a really hard sell for him. You know, you've got to run in like today, it's minus six in the pouring rain at, in the Midlands of England. It's not the nicest place to play. Now, let's be honest, the Netherlands is not particularly climatically any different to the UK. So that's not the issue. But on a day like today, you come on for 10 minutes, you better run like a dog. Yeah, this is England. You've got to run. You have to run. If you don't run, Bruno worked that out from day one, didn't he? I'm here. He worked hard in Portugal anyway, but I'm here and I'm going to run and I'm going to run games and I'm going to show you that I can do it from uh, from the press and also in possession and out of possession. I think Donny is a problem in possession and I think he's a problem out of possession. I would just to answer the question about the double pivot. We saw very early on in the season and, and you know, all our viewers can go back and watch the early masterclasses. They're all available here on YouTube. You can go back. And we talked about the games that Donny played in the pivot and he was, a, he was nothing short of a disaster in those games because he cannot cover the ground and he cannot show the aggression to do that job. Now, is he a better footballer than Scott McTominay? Yes. Is he probably a better footballer than Fred? Yes. Can he do what those two players do in a double pivot? No. So that's the answer, you see. The answer isn't about how good a player is. The answer is about what he can do for you positionally. And this is the issue with Donny van der Beek. I think that's going to roll on and on and on because it kind of feels a bit Mkhitaryan, doesn't it? You know, Mkhitaryan... Kagawa was a really good example. Kagawa is a really good one. Totally. Kagawa came to United and essentially was a number 10. And I can remember watching the first three or four games at Old Trafford with him playing. And I was furious. And I was like, why is Fergie not giving him license to play as a number 10? And he played wide in a 4-4-2. He played in a 4-4-1-1 behind Rooney. He did all different things, but he didn't really play his role that he played at Dortmund. And what happened to Kagawa? So he couldn't cope in England either. So it does happen with players that even though they're good and they can do it in other countries, that when you come to England, there is an there's a kind of buffer there. You kind of hit a wall constantly. Donny is a good footballer. There's no doubt about it. I really believe in him as a footballer, but he's got to get with a picture. You know, it, he's not going to play in United's double pivot. I would never pick him in the double I mean, pivot. Rob, we've got a comment here. You formation suit Donny. That's absolute nonsense because no. then, you're, then you're moving the most creative player, the one who scored the most goals from midfielder, the most assists, Bruno Fernandes. Why are you trying to accommodate for a player that's nowhere near as effective? We need Ajax to be... wouldn't do that. Ajax no. wouldn't do that for Donny van der Beek. So why should Manchester United? It, it's it's nonsensical. Uh, again, uh, I think one of the comments on the commentary today was, oh, it must be difficult for such a big signing to sit on the bench. Donny van der Beek costs 35 million. He is a, a normal signing. He's not a big signing. Yes, you want him to perform. Yes, you want him to integrate. Yes, you want him to impact. But it's not signing Paul Pogba for 80 million and putting him on the bench. There's a difference. So I think sometimes people have to calm about that. I put the the whole of the emphasis on the relationship between the manager and the player. It's up that relationship has to 
take the player to the next level. But the responsibility is Donny's. When he's on the pitch and he gets 10 minutes at West Brom, Donny, go and win the game, either with a pass or with some aggression or something beautiful in the moment that people can then kind of clap their hands at afterwards and say, you deserve more minutes. He doesn't deserve more minutes as it stands. Just a simple truth. You know, and the comments saying, let's change the double pivot. There's no one to sit and play deep that... Oli's got at the moment, he hasn't got a recognized defensive midfielder, or he has, but that's Matic. He's he's finished, as far as I'm concerned, Rob. You know, yeah. he can't go and play you more than one game a week. And when he has played, he hasn't nowhere near hit the heights of the end of last season. You're limited on what you can do. What's going to provide the most solidity? We got smashed by Spurs. He's going to go with um McTominay and Fred. I do think, Rob, though, that if Pogba hadn't got injured, I know this is a bit like, oh, you know maybe a bit of fancy football whatever but if Pogba hadn't got injured I think Oli was moving towards McTominay and Pogba in that double pivot I really do think those were the two personally that's what I think that's what he was doing I don't think, I I don't think... think he's moving towards it see I think this is visceral it's a visceral question you play the double pivot that fits your opponent you don't you don't just you don't you're not moving somewhere where it's a it's a philosophical debate you know where do you play Pogba is a philosophical question or is it a, a question about position so I, I look at it like this you're right I think like today Pogba's fit he probably plays in the pivot you play him because you want a little bit more football out of there. But it's not its not the bit that wins you the game. Not really. It shouldn't be. So I think when Ole looks at it, he's looking for runners today, work rate. He's looking for people to bust their guts. And some did and some didn't. And for there might be varying reasons for that. There might be that players are not fit, that they're not dialed in. You might have Martial, who's just not confident enough at the moment. Maybe he's fallen off the edge a little bit. Bruno might be knackered. Marcus might be all over the shop. You don't know why things are as they are. All you can do is call what you see. Yes, we'd have been better with Paul Pogba today. But again, that's a kind of... It's, it doesn't help, does it? Doesn't doesn't it doesn't it doesn't offer any salient comment on what we saw today? It doesn't help Man United win football matches. Paul Pogba is not going to be at the club next year. He is not going to be at Man United. We have to get used to a life without Paul Pogba. That's, that's a shuddering thought, Rob, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, but it's the truth, isn't it? Like, we have to look at the truth. He's going, you know, and the reason why he's going is is kind of two or threefold, and we've talked about it a lot. You know, he has ambitions. He feels he can go and win trophies somewhere else. He does believe in the United project and what's going on at the moment, and there is a small, tiny chance that he stays. But I don't think that you rest your hat on those things. You know, you go and look for the next player that takes you to the next level. And for me at the moment, United's problems are striker. That is an issue for me in terms of maybe next season, centre-back, and then a midfielder that can do a little bit of everything. Not a defensive midfielder, but a midfielder that can travel, that can keep possession, that can be tidy, that can get you up the pitch 10 yards without you blinking. That kind of player... And you doesn't you won't find another Paul Pogba. There isn't another one in world football. You might have to go and get an Indeedy. Yeah, you might have to go and get someone like Neves, uh, you, you might have to go and get a Neves. You know, there are players out there who are not superstars who will help you a ton, and they might take you from say fourth in the table to close to first, and then you get that little bit nearer to being a championship contending team. We're not there yet, which is why I've never been too high on the league position. Yeah, uh, very fair points. My last point, Rob, on Van der Beek, I will say as well is that and I did say it and I, I do believe this, that I think doesn't fit, fit the system unless he adapts. We're not going to adapt the whole system to him unless he adapts and he has been given opportunities to play. But unless he does that, his future will not be a Manchester United, his long-term future. I, I really do believe that because 
I'm not sure he's cut out for Premier League football. But then we've seen with Fred, obviously Fred's come in and he took a year to adapt. So you've got that to also sort of um, look at. But I do think that Fred wasn't a a system problem. Fred, it wasn't that Fred wasn't fitting. Fred just wasn't adapting. But I just don't see where Van der Beek fits in unless he adapts his game. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that there is multiple scenarios that will play out here when we talk about where, where Van der Beek goes because he has to adapt to England. Yeah, for, so let's forget systems. Let's forget Manchester United. I don't think Donny van der Beek plays well at any English Premier League team at the moment because it's it's the country, it's the style of football. It's tough for him. He, he he runs around on one track. He doesn't play fast and slow. He doesn't really sprint. He just kind of keeps a very Dutch flow to his game, which is fine. Many, many Dutch players have done brilliantly at Manchester United and in the Premier League in the past, but you must be effective. And Donny van der Beek is anything but effective. So these are these are problems for him to solve. What I do think might happen, and I think that this is a this is realism now, is that if someone comes in and gives you 20 million for Donny van der Beek in the summer and you're looking for an Ndidi or a Neves, or you've got the Pogba money burning a hole in your pocket, there's every chance that you get rid of both, that both go together and you go and put all that money into one player who will play, say, 40, 45 games starting a season because Van der Beek isn't doing that. And Oli might look at that and say, right, that's what I need. I don't need someone in my double pivot. I don't need a defensive midfielder. I just need a bloody midfielder who does the job. you know. And we know that Pogba does when Pogba's clicking and, and he's doing all the things that we want him to do, all those Paul Pogba's things. But you can see that Donny, that's not the case. I think the same with Wamata. You know, like he's at the end of his time at Manchester United and he's not good. He might give you a game where he takes you to a victory and that would be great, but it's not the long-term solution. And Ole has to look at long-term solutions in the position, not just look for, say, fantasy football or look at Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate will always tell you that another player would have done better. It doesn't help. Yeah, we'll move on from that topic, Rob. And we'll talk up with Meccano before we go. Okay, we'll we'll do that. Let's talk about Upa Meccano. Um, obviously, Bayern Munich have got a fantastic deal. It looks like 42 and a half million euros. Um, no surprises for me, Rob, if I'm being completely honest with you. We've seen the reports coming out. We've discussed it on the show before. We've seen the reports coming out over the last couple of weeks anyway, saying Manchester United's interest has shifted. We've discussed what sort of centre-backs United will be bringing in. Um, are you at all surprised that Upa Meccano has gone to Bayern Munich? And uh, what do you expect United to do with, with the centre-back position? Because I think it's evidently clear now United have to buy at least one centre-back I'm saying at least because I think, you know, possibly you might need to go and sh- go in and get a Ramos, let's say, with a power Torres, as we've spoken about before. Yeah, um, I said on the show again that Upa Meccano probably wasn't coming to Man United. I said, said it for months. So no surprise. Bayern were always the favourites and the second favourites were Liverpool. If he was coming to England, he was going to Liverpool. Liverpool decided that they knew Upa Meccano wasn't coming to England. And what did they do on transfer deadline day? Oh, they went and bought a couple of centre-backs. So all of these things are, they're, they're not secrets, but they are, they're in our industry and in our domain. We hear about and we know what, what, what clubs are thinking. It's kind of simple. Uh, Manchester United do not believe that Upa Meccano was really coming to them at that point when we, uh, assess his buyout clause. And of course, now we do know the truth. So we know that he will be staying in Germany. What do United do next? Well, I think that the players, their performances will dictate what United do next. So I think Ole will be today 
on the bus going home or on the train probably from West Brom up back to Manchester. And he will be thinking, what do I do with the problem that is Victor Lindelof? So I think that's how he thinks. And I think that is kind of, it's not message coming from the club because that would be, that would sound like I'm lying or making it up. But it's it's quite common practice that United know that they need to strengthen their defence. Yeah, that's why they brought Tellers in in the first instance. But this is why when you look at the centre-backs, they're kind of, they've been kind of jostling with, with the dilemma. Is it two and Zabi? Is it going to be Lindelof? What do you do with Maguire? Well, I don't think Maguire is undroppable, but the first instance is that they will try and find someone that helps him. He's, he's a problem Li- for me, Rob. He's well, not a lot. You, yeah, yeah well, this, is the, this is the thing. He, he might well be the problem. But if you decide, Haydar, to commit, you got to commit with it. you got to say to him, right, do you know what? He's on a big, long contract and you're not going to get... If, let's say tomorrow you said, Harry, it's not working. See you later, mate. And then you go to the real world and the real world says, well, you might get 40 million for him. That's bad business. So what you try and do is you try and make it work. So the first thing you do, of course, is you move Lindelof out. So that is, I think, the logical step. Lindelof's had good performances this season. He's not been as bad as he has been in previous times. I think he's recovered some of his confidence. But what you saw today is that as a core centre-back in the Premier League, he is not good enough. He's not physical enough. He's not quick enough. He doesn't make decisions. So what do you do? I do think we are coming closer to a scenario where Sergio Ramos joins Manchester United. So Sergio Ramos is going to be looking for a deal. Sergio Ramos is probably not going to get it at Real Madrid. There is talk that that Real are working on it. They don't want to lose him. You know, they would they would rather keep a generational centre back who is is absolutely a darling of Los Blancos and all of the fans there, the Madristas who love him, and that would be a kind of happy ending. He kind of gets his deal and it's all great. However, Real Madrid are not in a good place themselves at the moment. So I think that Ramos will be happy to go and try something different. The Premier League is on his list. He's talked about it before many times. And Manchester United are on his list. So I think in this scenario, as it stands, Sergio Ramos doesn't fix you in your defence, but he does give you a Cavani option. He gives you someone who could come straight in and who's going to kind of brush it all off and just go, I don't need time to settle. I'm here. I've won everything. I've won Champions Leagues. I've won World Cups. I'm the Don. I'm here to win. And if you get a little bit of that, that then brings three or four other players on. You know, it might. you might look at Aaron and Aaron might go, I've got Sergio Ramos on the inside of me now. Or I've got maybe, you know, Harry's closer to me. I don't have to worry about Lindelof anymore. So you might see that he goes on another level. All of these things help. Cavani helps the forwards, though he didn't today. And I do think that you might see that United's short-term answer to the defensive issue is Sergio Ramos. I think... (laughs) Breathe, Haydar. (laughs) What's the question? Let's do it. We're here. My my question... For my that I've been, you know, sort of uh, mulling in my head rather than questions from the listeners. More my questions to do with I would love Ramos. I've said this many, many times, but you know, the sort of uh, the logic takes over, and you think, how are him and Maguire going to be as a partnership? I can't see us fixing any. I, I don't think we're fixing many of the problems. I think this, the, the same problems remain. But what Ramos will do is obviously an upgrade on Lindelof, the leadership. Uh, you know, the the winning mentality. He's still a player. Like anyone that doesn't think that, you know, needs to go and watch him play, can still play. Um, but I still think that you don't fix the, the problem at centre-back. I, you've still got the pace issue. Matt Ramos isn't exactly rapid. Um, and I just think 
building forward, you know, if you know we're going to do Ramos plus, like, like we said before, Power Torres, I completely understand that. But I'm not too sure that you're fixing the real problem. And uh, it, it comes across, I think, as that United are just trying to plug the gap for a year, um, which is probably what they're pro trying to do, obviously, with the pandemic and, and the money situation. But sometimes you've got to plug the gap. That's what you have to do. That's why in this last transfer window, when United fans are up in arms about the signings and going, this doesn't work for me because we haven't got Jadon Sancho. Jadon Sancho would not have Manchester United at the top of the table this season. It, it's not true. He would have helped United, but that's not the real truth. The truth is that Cavani's the guy who's helped United get in that top one or two. And he's a veteran and he's a short-term option. So sometimes you just have to kind of chip away. And and I look at it like this, Sergio Ramos for me, I'm not the biggest fan of his, being honest. You know, I think that he's aggressive. He is a winner. He's proved it at Real Madrid, no doubt about that. But when I kind of look at it, what do United need? They need a little bit of leadership. They need a little bit of savvy. They need a little bit of brain. <laughs> they need a bit of muscle. All of those things come from Sergio Ramos. Can he do it for you for a year or two? I've got no doubts about that. I think he could. And that then allows you to do what? It allows you to develop two and Zabi for another year or two. It allows you to develop Mengi. I still think Mengi is the long-term, long-term, long-term answer. And he might be your Varane or your kind of player who's going to be in your defence for 10 years, your next Rio Ferdinand or whatever. But it means that then you're not rushing it, Haydar. You know, there yeah. is no one in world football at the moment. Pau Torres, I would love. Let's go and get yeah, Pau Torres. He's got a buyout clause. But do you know what? Pau Torres has never played for a big club either. So there, there would be an adjustment period there. So... I think when you look at the answers, there isn't that big £80 million centre-back out there. And the one that's probably at the top of everyone's list is just joined Bayern Munich. So because he's gone, you have to forget about him. You can't kind of cry and go, we didn't get Upamecano, Meccano, even if he's great next season. You have to work with what you got. And I think that Ramos and Torres would be would take United on another level. I think those two players yeah. would take United to another level. And then you say the challenge is there then, isn't it, for the forwards to say, do you know what? We spent the money on the defence and you guys better go and keep scoring goals because if you don't, we're in trouble. If we get a forward, I think at the moment, I would rather have Haaland than Sancho. Though Sancho's form has dramatically improved recently. Yeah. Funnily enough, isn't it? Sancho now thinking about getting out of his football club has started to play really, really well. So it happens. I say shocked by about 20 million. I saw people saying all Rob, the time, yeah. 20 million is nothing. That's, that's a huge amount. It, it's in a lot hindsight, of United have done the right thing, not buying him last summer. Not many yeah. times we say United have done the right thing. I mean, the money was just was, was too high, to be honest with you. I, I really like Jen Sancho. I'd absolutely love him in the summer. But the way you're looking at right now, I think Mason's had a nice resurgence on the right. He's looking more creative as well. He's added cross his crossing ability improved his game. He's, he's cutting in nicely. He looks like he's bulked up. He's gonna get he's gonna be better. Um, but I mean it depends how you look at it, Rob. You might decide that actually next season you're gonna move Mason to number nine. Then Sancho is yeah. definitely the right option. But if you're not gonna do that, if it's too soon and Ollie doesn't think it's the right thing to do, Haaland is a one. I mean, I saw a couple of debates, you know, about you know Harry Kane or Haaland. I think while I love Harry Kane, I think he would be a bad move for us. Not not because he's a world-class striker. He's, he's the best striker in the league. But because I think if you're looking at longevity and a long-term plan, Haaland gives you more. I and would never Kane say... Yeah, I, I would never say no to Harry Kane if tomorrow the, you know, the magic fairies around Old Trafford sprinkled some dust across and said, oh, Harry Kane's turning up at Man United for 150 million or whatever. Yeah, then you kind of go, oh, right, okay, let's give it a go. If I had a choice between Haaland 
and Kane, I'm picking Haaland every day of the week. Why? Because Harry Kane is made of paper. He gets injured three times a season. That would be the disaster for United, having to rotate because your primary striker has pulled yet another muscle, you know, again, another week, and he's out two to four to six to eight weeks. That's not what you want. I do think Harry Kane's a great player. I think he's the archetypal modern false nine. You know, he can play as the nine, he can drop, he can join, he gets assists now, which is what he's added to his game. It'd be a phenomenal signing. But hey, if you put yeah. all the budget on Harry Kane, 100 million plus, you can bet that you're not signing players that you really need. So that is the issue. And then you might get a Harry Kane and, and a Ramos. That might be how you balance it out because you're not paying a fee for Ramos. But that would be regressive. You've got to find a way now of keep upgrading, but you've got to upgrade sensibly and with with some decorum, you know, you have to say, well, you know, we want to improve, but we don't want to be stupid. You know, we don't want to do what we did with Mourinho and with Van Gaal, giving them lots of players that essentially we didn't probably need at that point. I wrote an article um, when Van Gaal was at the football club and I, I supported his signings, just like every United fan probably did. And I said there at the time that we had a championship winning squad in situ. It was just about finding the two or three or four signings that kind of get you back there. And what happened was that the two or three or four signings that Van Gaal made, made those players worse. And that was the truth. So that was why we we kind of hit a wall with Van Gaal. And I think with Mourinho, it was the same thing. He was looking for superstars. He didn't really get them. He got, we got what was it, Ibrahimovic for a year. Pogba and him didn't really work as a kind of, as a duo, as we see what, Flair players don't work very well. You got Lindelof and Bailly. I'm not sure. You got really Lindelof. You bought Bailly. There's a lot of those. There's a lot of that remnant you see still at this football club that's still here. Some of it is here. And for Ole, the long-term question is: How long do I keep them, or are they the right players? So I kind of put my faith in them. So I think he's tried it. I think he's done it with Lindelof and Bailly. I think Bailly will probably stay. But if you buy Torres and you buy um, Ramos, then you're much happier, aren't you, at selling Lindelof and Bailly at cut rates? And just say, right, get rid, 15, 20 million out the football club. You know, we've made a little bit of money back there. That is important, that 20 million from each player. We'll put it in the pocket, that pays some wages, and then you move forward. I think that's what will happen at United. I think that's where the next transfer windows will go. So United will look for cornerstones a little bit more and take the play. They'll look at, they've learned from Bruno. They've looked at Bruno and they've gone, we need cornerstones of players who will come in and are not necessarily superstars. They don't have to be well-known. They don't have to sell, sell the shirt numbers here on the back. What's important is that they actually play some good football. United have still got some players that don't actually do that. Yeah, spot on, Rob. There's a few um, names we're throwing around. Kunde is one. It seems that like his release score is 90 million. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not too sure. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic player, but... Um, no, not to obviously be a little bit silly here, but you know he is about five foot ten, so I'm not too sure how That's he'd work in the Premier League. It is a bit of a problem, but you know he's got the pace. You put him next to Maguire, it could be a nice partnership. Fabio Cannavaro was a top top centre back, Rob, when he was about five nine, wasn't he? So, and people are saying Fafana as well. Again, this I mean Fafana, Leicester, Leicester scouting team is fantastic. I do think United, I mean, should have been looking at the Fafanas of the world because it was quite obvious the talent he had. But you know, Leicester are. are yeah, they probably are. That's why we signed Diallo's and stuff and people like that. But you're looking at Fofana, Rob. He's going to be a, a, another £80 million pound player if you're trying to get But, Rob, I want to finish with this question. Um, so, Greendale's asking it and then NZZ as well. I'll go with uh, NZZ. But um, generally, how much, how many funds will be available to Oli to strengthen this summer? I mean, that's a million-dollar question. Uh, it's really, really tough. And the improvements needed are in key positions and need to be the right profile, not third or fourth choice.
And Green Devil, sort of couple that with that question, Rob, why are we always three or four signings away every summer? Because that's football. You are, you're always, if you're not where you want to be, you're always signings away. So it can, you know, sometimes you're really far away. And I think we realised that again when we ran the Van Gaal period and, and the Mourinho period is that even though we were buying players, it was poor recruitment. So you're further away than you want to be. However, I think that cliche does apply to this team. I think if you are, if you get two or three of the right players in where you are today, a team that hasn't been defeated on the road for a year in the Premier League, that's a that's a good statistic. You want to beat West Brom, of course, and you need three points. But that statistic is still a real-world statistic that applies. So you're doing something right. You've just got to kind of do some more things right to get you there. And that comes with with quality recruitment. You might find in the second half of the season, as that Ole kind of shakes it up a little bit, positionally he might see something that will help United move forward. That might be in the pivot. That might be in the forward line. I think it's more likely going to be in one of the wider positions. I think you've got to stick with Bailly if he's fit, but I think the issue is that he's not fit, so that's a problem. So what happens? It defers to Lindelof, doesn't it? So Ole has some faith in those guys, but I'm telling you this, Ole will be having less and less and less faith in Lindelof as the weeks and months go on because this title challenge has stalled because of kind of the same problems, the same issues that we've all talked about for a long yeah. time. Uh, I think United are, you know, we can get those three signings. I, uh, how much money is going to be made available? If United get in the Champions League, yeah, so we finish top four this season, Ole will be given money and time. If United come fifth, Ole won't be the manager next year. He'll be sacked. So I think that's that's the truth. That's where everything is balanced in terms of where we are in transfer markets. And I do think that, there will be significant funds available to go and get players that make you better. And that's all we really need. You know, we don't need to hear numbers of 300 million, 400 million, 500 million. United have tried all of that in the past. It's about signing the right players. If Diallo is the player that takes you on, but you're patient, then go and buy a Diallo. Go and buy someone like Ahmed and, and have faith and do it that way. Or do you see someone who kind of is a, is a ready-made Bruno Fernandes, kind of mid-20s, ready to kind of take the league by storm, but maybe he's a bit of a sleeper hit on you in Europe or in South America, then you might do that. Bruno didn't cost a lot of money, really, did he? We think about it. He's a kind of medium-term, medium-sized signing, kind of £50 million package. It's not it's not big money. It's, it's money United can, can spend tomorrow. But you've got to spend it on the right player. Paul Pogba is going to leave the football club. I think United need to, that's where United are thinking, they're thinking, right, what do we do post-Pogba? What happens? And if Pogba stays, and that's a different question then, isn't it? Then we kind of can approach it from a different manner. Yeah, spot on, Rob. Last word. Look, for me, today was disappointing. I can't lie. I think what we saw, though, is the deficiencies that we've seen from time and time again, same problems. And we need to get out of this. It's, it's not so much a blip anymore. We haven't lost in these last, um, well, apart from the Sheffield United game, one loss in five, but we need to get back to winning ways. Chelsea is starting to pick up points. Leicester, we're now level with them. City, look, they're going to win the league. They're, they're heads and shoulders above every single team. We knew that. We both predicted that at the beginning of the season. But United need to get back to winning form. You know, Europa League on Thursday. Do United try and win that? <laughs> Doesn't rock my boat, mate, if I'm being honest with you. Um, uh... I look at it like this, is that obviously you want to win every game. That's the cliche in it. I want to win every game. That's what managers say. They do it all the time. Um, this is where you rotate. You know, if players are tired, you rotate in the Europa League. You know, you want to move on. You want to win games. You want to advance. 
But it's just not what's important. And, and also from what you were just saying there about what other teams are doing, Chelsea this, you know, Leicester that. It doesn't matter to me. You concentrate on yourself. Everything is about what goes on on your training ground and on your football pitches. And it's about you getting better because do you know what? If you get better, you'll beat all those teams. Don't worry about it. If you improve, you'll have the confidence, you'll have the skill, you'll have the technicians to go and beat football teams, whether it be Chelsea or Leicester, whoever. I think that United are a top four contender. I thought that 12 months ago, I was, I'm not convinced that they are any closer to Manchester City this season at all. Can they keep pushing City? Yes, they can. But drawing these games is, is almost as bad as defeats. You know, you drop two points in a game that you should get three in, then it's kind of a defeat. You know, it really is. So like today, they're not going to go, well, we gained a point at the Hawthorns. So what? You know, it's about you being the best that you can be and beating those teams. Outside of the top 10, you have to beat everyone. I keep saying it. It's the same thing. Go to the Hawthorns, be aggressive, win the game 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, ugly. It doesn't have to be a classic. And you get the points. That's professionalism. And I think United just need to kind of, that's where the, the extra sign-ins, that's where Sergio Ramos, Sergio Ramos ain't going to the Hawthorns thinking, well, we'll get a point here and I'll feel great about myself, is he? No, he's not. So you have to find the correct players that help you on. And it might well be that you get a stopgap Cavani type sign-in if you can't get a Sancho if you can't get a Haaland, if you can't now get an Upamecano, you know, if you lose a Paul Pogba and you can't replace him. So there's lots of questions to be asked that are yet to be really tangible. But I think United, it's still not the worst case scenario. You're still, they're still top four. They're still pretty comfortable. And that's probably their level. So what I just want to see from United is just to turn the dial up a little bit, improve the performances a bit more, get victories and make them easy. You know, win games in the first 20, 30, 40 minutes. Don't be getting to the end of the game going, oh, Harry Maguire's header hit the post. What a great save that was by Johnson. Don't worry about that stuff. Go and do the job early, but be professional. And I think United just sometimes, they're a bit rabbit in headlights, aren't they? You know, in these kind of last gasp scenarios, they've been really good at getting points. I think it's 20 points from losing positions this season. And that's a great kind of stat. Shows yeah, that you're resilient. 20, 22 points now. But, but you, can't, you can't do that week in, week out. You can't no, do that week in, week out. No, it's not sustainable, and eventually it'll come and bite you. And there's like I can see like the, the comments rolling here, and lots of people asking questions. I just think that there is a balance there from what people are saying. Youth is great, but you have to supplement, and you have to have both. So you have to have good youth, good sign-ins, and a good cohesion between all of those things. I think United youth is phenomenal at the moment. When we look at what we've got, I'm high. I look at the guys like Medjbury. I look at kind of... Um, uh, we, we looked at obviously with Diana Hugo, what he's done, Hugo. Well. You know, we, we've, talked, we've talked about Shaw Tire, we've we talked about Ethan Led. There's plenty of talent, it's really, really good. And United are in a, in a good place for that, but it doesn't solve your issue for the next game. The next game is Victor Lindelof. If you're playing, please don't mess up. You know, it's those kind of things, they're the questions that. Like Ole will be having those one-to-ones with players and then trying to fix it on the training ground. And we want to see more of it. I want to see more. I want to see actual progression and winning games in a more simplified manner. Yeah, absolutely spot on, Rob. Guys, thank you very much for all your comments and all your support. It's been absolutely fantastic. We'll be back after the Europa League game on Thursday. Oh, God, Europa League football, Rob. We're back in that competition. Um, it should be a good game. 
Sociedad have been good this year. We see the return of Adnan Yenazar as well. So that will be an interesting prospect. We've got some exciting sort of changes coming up. We're not going to we're not going to say them now, but you might see a few changes. Uh, so make sure you keep an eye on that. Rob, thank you much, very much for joining me, guys. And we will see you next time.